Hello, and welcome back to For You and For Me, a new way to listen to Monsignor Kieran Harrington's homilies. This past Sunday was the sixth Sunday of Easter, and Monsignor did not celebrate any English Masses at the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph here in Brooklyn, so he agreed to once again join me in the recording studio to share his thoughts on the readings from Acts of the Apostles, the First Letter of St. Peter, and the Gospel of St. John. Hi, Monsignor Harrington. How are you? How are you, Dave? I'm great, thanks. Good to be with you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for joining me. It's always my pleasure. So, uh, care to kind of enlighten us again on on what you're thinking about the readings this this past Sunday? Well, you know, one of the uh, great passages, I think, is, I will not leave you orphans. We're entering into this uh, very unique uh, phase in the life of the church right now. Uh, When you consider that uh, this week we celebrate Ascension Thursday, right, 40 days after the Lord's appearance, he ascends to the Father. What's interesting about that is the Ascension is not found in either St. Matthew's Gospel or in St. John's Gospel. It's only found really in St. Luke's and a little bit in St. Mark's. So what is this uh, ascension about? What should it say to us? This marks a transition period, right? The transition period is we've been uh, preparing to listen to and see what all the works that Christ has done in East, in Lent and in Easter. Uh, we know what his saving work is, uh, but now he ascends to the Father. So now it's the time, the opportunity for you and for me to be working out our salvation. And so this is what is this period uh, that we're living through. And we don't do that alone. That's the important thing. You know, the question is, is well, why doesn't St. Matthew, why doesn't St. John include the ascension in the scriptures? And, and the fact is, is they were sad. Right? Mm. They, they were sad. I mean, all, there's a sort of an anticlimactic mm. moment here is that all of a sudden uh, Jesus has conquered sin and death. He rises, but then he's gone. Right. And so there's a certain sadness uh, in that. And so how is it that uh, we understand that we are not left orphan, right? He has sent one who is an advocate. One of my very uh, favorite passages in Revelation is the accuser of our brother is cast out. Satan is the word meaning accuser, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about it in the book of Job, who's the one who's accusing Job, right? It's Satan mm-hmm. is the one who goes and says, Job's a good man only because he's rich, only because he has a family. Only So he's the accuser of the brother. Mm-hmm. Who cast out the accuser? but the Holy Spirit. And that's, it's the power of the Spirit uh, that's alive in your life and in my life. And this then, I think, answers the question for you and for me about suffering that St. Peter raises, right? St. Peter raises a very, very interesting question for us. He says, for it's better to suffer for doing good. Well, I mean, the question is, is uh, what is the meaning of suffering uh, for a Christian? Uh, and, and the challenge is, is, is that, uh, is that every single person suffers. Part of the human condition is suffering. Maybe that's because we have a soul and a body. There is suffering involved, different than pain, right? Suffering is different than pain. Uh, Suffering involves an emotional, it's existential. Uh, Suffering is as we reflect on that experience, that trauma after it has occurred, and it gives meaning, it gives import, it kind of guides some of our decisions. So uh, what uh, what gives meaning to our suffering? This is a big question for a lot of people. A lot of people say God can't exist because of evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you and for me, what we believe is that somehow uh, in my suffering, I'm united to the sufferings of Christ who died for me on a cross. And what I believe is that I will overcome in Christ Jesus right. uh, the suffering that I'm experiencing. And that's, again, then what we hear is uh, it, in, in, in 
St. John's Gospel, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you in a little while while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live. This is, this is the challenge for us, is, is, is to recognize the promise that Jesus has made. Uh, and that gives us our hope that Christ is coming again. Mm. So you're talking about suffering, and you're right. This is a, this is a, a stumbling block for a lot of people, both believers and, and non-believers, right? Like, how, how, can, how, can this, how can this God, who is supposed to be all merciful, all loving, uh, allow us to to be in that state that 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 state of, yeah. of suffering so here here's the thing it starts with God loves us mm-hmm. right God creates us in love uh, that's important to realize because when you are created in love you know God allows us to reject him <laughs> this is important right if mm-hmm. if he loves us he is waiting for us to say I love you in return mm-hmm. but part of love is being able to say I don't love you uh, and of course, this is what the experience of sin is, right? Sin is is our refusing to love God, and as a result of that, uh, suffering enters into the world, right? This is the reason why we hear in Genesis about the expulsion of Adam and Eve from the garden. Mm-hmm. But God loves us still, and still he wants us uh, to overcome in this experience. And so how is it then that the demand of justice uh, for sin, the penalty for sin, and love can be met? This is, this is the question. And so what, what we experience is, is that in suffering, uh, we always overcome evil. We know that because of the cross, mm-hmm. if we believe in him. So, so here's, here's the challenge, right? Think for a moment about the love of the Father. You know, there's probably no greater suffering for any person than to lose a child. Mm-hmm. If you ask any parent who's lost a child, that's the greatest suffering in the world. So think about the Father in heaven, whose Son, our Lord, suffers and dies on the cross. The Father knows that this does not have to happen, right? It doesn't have to happen because he loves his Son. He could say, we're not going to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, he loves us uh, and he respects our free will. And so in order for you and for me to have the opportunity to choose God and say, I love you, he allows this experience of evil. He allows his son to suffer. But the promise he makes is that that's not the last word. Right? He overcomes suffering in the resurrection. Right. It's such a hard concept to 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 swallow. I think uh, that that it's necessary. It's a necessary component. But I guess that's just part of the mystery of that we really can't understand, right? I, Everybody suffers, but why do you suffer? Mm-hmm. How do you suffer? These are the questions that make you a Christian. How you suffer is what mm-hmm. makes you a Christian. Not that you suffer. Right. Right. Otherwise, suffering is kind of meaningless. Uh, so if it is meaningless, uh, uh, then the whole world kind of becomes absurd. But if, if I can see somehow uh, that God's plan is unfolding, not that God wills evil, right? This is important. God did, never wills evil. He doesn't will. It's a terrible thing when a person says, oh, you know, God only gives this suffering to his greatest warriors and all this. This is, this is crazy talk, right? Mm-hmm. It's, we should never say to a parent who's lost a child, oh, it's God's will, or someone who loses mm-hmm. a loved one, it's God's will. Because it's not God's will. It's God's will that everyone be saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why Jesus comes into the world. Mm-hmm. What he is saying to us is that we can go through these experiences and he accompanies us in these experiences, but ultimately he will overcome. That's the conviction of faith. That's right. That's right. And I think that that 
um, that comes back to really the message that we're hearing across all, all three of these readings, um, which is that of the Holy Spirit, that, that there's going to be one among us still, even after Jesus. It's not all sad, like you were saying, sure. right? Here's the fact that, Dave, if you were to look into your life, you could see there were a lot of sad moments, real pain. Uh, and you can simply look at that and say, these are crummy things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, okay, was God there in some way, shape, or form? Can I see his presence there? And if I can see that God is there and I see his presence there, I can see that this suffering, this pain, it doesn't crush me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has another purpose. Uh, and uh, I can transcend, because of the power of Christ, the suffering pain uh, that is a part of life. Right. Um, we actually, so I mentioned um, previously that you can you can uh, write in or ask questions, um, and we actually got one um, So since the last episode. So I wanted to ask you, and this is really not about um, anything that you were talking about, but just in general. Um, Bill from Rockville Center Diocese asks, what kind of preparation do you do for your homilies? Uh, or do you just speak extemporaneously? He says, it's remarkable the depth that you're able to speak on on a daily basis, I think he's one of your daily mass attendees. Um, is it any, you know, so he's kind of just wondering, is it, is there, is it just because you've been doing it for so long or is it? Is no, there... I mean, it's, you know, here's the thing is, uh, so typically on a Sunday, I'll read the readings for the coming week. So I'll kind of, and then I will look to see uh, how does that reading kind of make sense for me at this moment. So that's the Sunday preparation, right? That's the bigger preparation Mm -hmm. because when you're celebrating Mass on Sunday, uh, you have 52 weeks to really connect with people and help them see uh, in their offering how they're offering their lives to God. Mm. Weekdays is a little different. Usually uh, weekdays I'll take a look at the readings either the night before or earlier in the morning and say, okay, what is that saying for me? And that's a little, usually a very short homily, just a minute or two. Mm -hmm. And of course they build on uh, they build on that same prayer that goes into the preparation for for Sunday. Right, right. Um, I guess I have another follow-up question yeah. based on this. Um, you give you give uh, masses sometimes to the Spanish community also, right. um, often actually, and that's that's quite a and I should say Spanish-speaking community. Yeah. The, that Latino uh, Latino community is is clearly a different a different sort of you know cross-section of, of Brooklyn right. uh, than, than the English-speaking um, communities. And I wonder if your message is very different. Um, I think that, uh, you know, people are people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, uh, well-educated or uneducated, speak English or, or don't speak English. You know, we are all struggling with the desire to be loved, what does this mean, why am I here, uh, and try to make sense of the things that take place uh, in our life. And, and the, the fact is, is that uh, people who are uh, maybe uh, materially uh, less wealthy, they often have a far more vibrant mm. and, and deeper uh, and richer uh, experience of God sure. uh, because they don't have the distractions of wealth mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes the distractions of all the things that kind of occupy our minds because of our education and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, very interesting. Um, I had one more question for you, Monsignor. Um, sure, Dave. Uh, so, um, you know, given the fact that the, the Holy Spirit is sort of this thread between the, the readings. I was wondering if you had a favorite prayer that sort of centers around um, the Holy Spirit. Well, my, my favorite prayer really is the passage that we find in Luke's Gospel 
which is the road to Emmaus. Because I often imagine myself as one of those uh, disciples that uh, in my life there are moments where I feel uh, discouraged or dejected or I'm angry or I can't, for whatever reason, I really can't see uh, the Lord who is walking with me. And yet he's kind of tugging at my heart. That's the Holy Spirit that's tugging at my heart. What I often find is, is in my celebration of the sacraments and particularly the Eucharist, uh, that's the kind of the moment of an epiphany which helps kind of recenter me uh, and kind of turn my life around. And what that enables you to do is to walk away from Emmaus and head back to Jerusalem, which is the place where Christ was crucified, mm. a place where ultimately these disciples will give their life for him. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks, Dave. For You and For Me is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Please subscribe in iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. I personally use Podcast Addict on my Android phone. For Monsignor Karen Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by for you and for me.